Hey, good evening. Hey, I'm hearing a reverb. What's that? Is that me? We're good? Yeah, I'm okay. Oh, okay, P perfect. Good evening, good afternoon, good morning, everyone. Where the heck in the world you are? It's V, the Gorilla Economist. We have with us the man of the hour who needs no introduction at this point. He is the orator from Montreal himself, the one and only pontificator of the multipolar world. He is Matthew Errett. You can find him over at the Canadian Patriot. .org, CanadianPatriot.org, as well as the Rising Tide Foundation.net, Rising Tide Foundation.net. And if you haven't done so already, make sure you get The Clash of Two Americas, Volume 1, Volume 2, and Volume 3. You need to have it on your coffee table right next to the Bible and every other important book in Western literature. You need to have it. It is critical to understanding the framework, the history of where we were what we were trying to do, and where the heck we're going. Matthew lays it out perfectly. Make sure you get it, and also subscribe to his Substack, substack.com forward slash Matthew Eric. The links will all be in the description box. And without further ado, Monsieur from Montreal, the one and only great game strategist, Matthew Eric. How are you, sir? Good, good. Your promos are invaluable. Gold, gold, gold. Thank you, sir. Yeah, man. Uh, I miss my call. I, I don't know if I would, I would put my books up with the Bible, but it was, you know. <laughs> I miss my I, I miss my call in life, man. I was, you know, previously I was like, uh, you, you know, like when they do like rap concerts, you have a mic guy. He's in the, the back. MC, yeah, 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 put your hands up. That was me, man. I was a hype man. <laughs> well, yeah, no, there, there is uh, there's a lot to, to talk about this week. I mean, again, it, it's we're in such a, a point of of. Uh, turmoil, potential chaos. Uh, it, it's difficult to know where to start, really. But I thought one place that really caught my eye was the anomaly, because of Elon Musk and his tweet. You know, the 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 this little tweet survey he put out, which uh, I'm looking for. I'm looking for any point of quasi pseudo sanity anywhere amongst the trans uh, Atlantic unipolarista. Doesn't so, exist. It, it, it's a it's a run to failure. You see, when you have idiot people in power, and one thing I realized about it, incompetent people, especially those of a sociopathic mindset, mm -hmm. once they begin the trajectory of a given direction, they could never turn it around. They have to forego any control, allow the crash to happen, allow the destruction to ensue, and then, because it's their nature to create chaos and destruction, and then try to somehow picture or try to imagine themselves managing this chaos at the same time trying to come out on top of it and then absolve any sort of blame or guilt from it. They can't backtrack. They're all in it to, to, to screw it. But is there any evidence or in history of the, of the oligarchy like self-examining or changing no. course before they, uh, they, they, things blow up completely also into their own faces. Are there any examples where that's happened or does it, does it have to be the case that they can only double, triple, quadruple down until we have in our case today, nuclear war and, and what comes out of that? Is, is there any, any way that there could be feasibly some autocorrect? Um, and, Sure enough, I, I tend to agree with you. There, there's not a lot of self-reflection, self-examination. That, that's not a high capability or aptitude amongst oligarchical freaks. And there it is. That's the Elon Musk quote. Elon Musk is a guy that people have, who have listened to my remarks on Elon in the past know that I'm not a fan of Elon Musk. I don't, I did not 
Uh, I don't follow the, the mythos that this guy just arose and became this great super genius with Asperger's. And now he's just like saying all of these, these competent things about the need to have more people that we've got an, an underpopulation crisis, all that's true, or the need to have a space program or a, uh, maglev rail all these things i believe are true and those are reasonable things that would be true with or without elon musk saying them however despite the fact that i see elon musk as having handlers and i i do see him as a delphic operative um who i don't think you could be the richest man in a world this corrupt without having some problems um there is an interesting anomaly with this tweet that he put out saying there ukraine russia peace and he proposes in a survey format uh, well, how about redoing the uh, elections of annexed regions under the UN supervision? Uh, Russia would leave if it's the will of the people. So basically invite the UN observers to come in, do another redo of the elections that just happened with overwhelming support for the four eastern Donbass regions to join Russia, uh, which should be finalized in the Russian Duma, I think, this week. The other component of what Elon is saying here <coughs> is saying... Um, Fully recognizing, you know, that Crimea is part of Russia, has been since Khrushchev's mistake, uh, or no, I mean, since 1783, until Khrushchev's mistake, which is an interesting wording, because it's true that that was a completely strategic blunder to give Ukraine up uh, under Khrushchev. Um, supply water, make sure that the water supply is assured, because they, they have been cutting off water supplies, uh, Kiev has, to uh, Crimea for eight years. Um, and Ukraine remains neutral in the course of NATO or any other military bloc. Very reasonable set of conditions put out. And obviously, the, uh, the bots were deployed to give overwhelming support to no, despite the fact that it had a positive re response early on. But from the way I'm looking at this, again, knowing that, that Elon does have handlers amongst the, the governing strata of the Davos click and, and, you know, the transhumanist networks. And he is a transhumanist. Uh, his wife is a Satanist. His mother's a Satanist. He, I'm not saying that that means he's a Satanist, but that does induce me to think that he's got very questionable um, judgment at the very least. Um, sorry, I got, somebody just put me on some Bitcoin telegram group. I get this every day. And uh, that's the I, worst. <laughs> it's just, just nonstop. Ridiculous, ridiculous report, spam and leave. Uh, sorry, I'm just keep on getting like rain bills. Uh, yeah. So <clears throat> the way I see it, it does appear, and Pope Francis is another one of these um, anti-humanist uh, figures who are being used, handled, managed to prepare the groundwork for a new global post-Great Reset um, age. You know, he's he's done probably more damage to the Catholic Church than you know anybody over the last two thousand years. Um. I'm talking about Pope Francis right now. Like, but even Pope Francis has come out calling for a return to negotiations, an avoidance of nuclear war, and it does seem like this does indicate a crack within the the oligarchical governing class regarding yeah. a lack of consensus on how to go forward. Now that Russia has very clearly put forth a, a series of incredible flanks, <clears throat> and uh, and. You know, Zelensky, the 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 tool, is freaked out. He's doubling down, trying to have expedited admission to NATO, uh, which even Michael McFall directly and, you know, the, the unipolarist George Soros freak, any Dean McFall, directly said not that long ago on TV, that would never happen. 
No, when he, when and, he's and, and not even. I mean, Erdogan wouldn't allow Finland and Sweden to join. He's not going to allow Ukraine to join. No, you know, no, no. Yeah. Eddie, and you know, McFall even said, "Yeah, we're lying to Ukraine." Like, because the the announcer is like, "Well, aren't you? Didn't we make all these promises that they were going to be allowed to join Ukraine?" He's like, "Yeah, that that's that's the world of the diplomacy, and uh, we lie all the time." I mean, this this he's a slime ball, but he said it, and it was useful that he said it. So I don't think that um, ultimately. Zelensky is going to be necessarily admitted into NATO because that would be nuclear war right there. Yeah. There might be factions within NATO that do want that or that are prepared to do that because they somehow still think that Putin might be bluffing about the use of nuclear weapons in the defense of Russia. Maybe they bluff. But no matter what, I do see that there does seem to be a, a clash within the oligarchy right now amongst different factions using different mouthpieces that they that they manage around changing course or changing gears regarding, you know, not necessarily wanting to rule over a world that has been obliterated by thousands of nuclear warheads. Um, whether or not the saner groupings, and I don't say they're good because ultimately I still think that they're, it's like one of these cases of like, you know, Leo Amory and uh, Churchill working to oust uh, Neville Chamberlain and the, uh, the pro-Nazi king at a time when Hitler was, it wasn't certain whether they were going to continue with the Hitler New World Order agenda or whether they were going to abort that plan and instead put down their Frankenstein monster and fight another day. That wasn't yet determined. Uh, it does seem like we do have one of those situations yet again, though. So mm -hmm. we'll see. I don't know. They are I, was, <laughs> I was reading um, Putin's speech. Somebody translated so uh, beautifully, right? And it's And he succinctly put it all together and um this is what he said right and i'll read it really quickly mm -hmm. he says the west uses the power of finance and technology to enforce its will on other nations to collect what he calls the hegemon's tax and to this end the west destabilizes countries creates terrorist enclaves and most of all ceases to deprive other countries of sovereignty it is this avarice and desire to preserve its power that is the reason for the hybrid war the collective west is waging war on russia they want us to be a colony. They do not want us to be free. They want Russians to be a mob of soulless slaves, direct quote. The rules-based order of the West goes on about its nonsense. Who made these rules? Who agreed to them? Russia is an ancient country and a civilization that will not play by these rigged rules. The West has no moral authority to challenge the referendums because it has violated. The borders of other countries, Western elites are totalitarian, despotic, apartheidistic. They are racist against Russia and other countries and nations. Russophobia is racism. They discriminate by calling themselves the civilized world. They colonized, started the global slave trade, genocided Native Americans, pillaged India and Africa, forced China to buy opium through war. We, on the other hand, are proud that we led the anti-colonial movement that helped countries develop and to reduce poverty and inequality. They are Russophobes. They hate us because we didn't allow our country to be pillaged by creating a strong centralized state based on Christianity, Islam, Judaism, and Buddhism, they have been trying to destabilize our country since the 17th century and in these times. And in these times of trouble, eventually they managed to get their hands on our riches in the end of the 20th century. They called us friends and partners while pumping out trillions of dollars. We remember this. We didn't forget. The West claims to bring freedom and democracy to other countries, but it's the exact opposite of the truth. The unipolar world is anti-democratic by its very nature. It is a lie. 
They used nuclear weapons, creating a precedent. They flattened German cities without any military need to do so. There was no need for this except to scare us and the rest of the world. Korea, Vietnam, to this day, they occupy Japan, South Korea, and Germany, and other countries while cynically calling them allies. The West has surveillance over the leaders of these nations who swallow these insults like the slaves they are. He then talks about uh, the, the U.S. Uh, uh, he says this, the U.S. rules the world by the power of the fist. And any country which seeks to challenge the Western hegemony becomes an enemy. Their neocolonialism is cloaked in lies like containment of Russia, China, and Iran. The concept of the truth has been destroyed with fakes and extreme. You cannot feed your people with printed dollars and social media. You need food and energy. But Western elites have no desire to find a solution to the food and energy crisis that they created. They solved the problems at the start of the 20th century with World War I. And the U.S. established dominance of the world via the dollar as a result of World War II. And in the 80s, they had another crisis they solved by plundering our country. Now they want to solve their problems by breaking Russia. Russia understands its responsibility to the international community and will do everything to cool the heads of these neocolonials who are destined to fail. They're crazy. I want to speak to all Russian citizens. Do we want to replace mom and dad with parent one? And parent two. They invented genders and claim you can transition. Do we want this for our children? We have a different vision. They have abandoned religion and embraced Satanism. The world is going through a revolutionary transformation. A multipolar world offers nations freedom to develop as they wish, and they make up the majority of the world. We have many like minded friends in Western countries. We see and appreciate their support. They are forming liberation, anti-colonial movements as we speak. They will only grow. We are fighting for a fair world for our country. The idea of exceptionalism is criminal, and we must turn this shameful page. The breaking of the West hegemony is inevitable. There is no going back. We are fighting our great we are fighting for our great historic Russia. Our values are love of our fellow man compassion, and mercy. Truth is with us. Russia is with us. That is the end of his speech. Where do you hear a speech like that anywhere in the Western world? That That is just beautiful, eh? I'm yeah. so glad you did Incredible. that. Incredible. This yeah. that, that's the, 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 the speech, the words of a man who, who values human life. And this is the restraint you've seen even in the Russian special military operation. Mm -hmm. A restraint... They could, they could have went and they could have decapitated Ukraine in, in 25 minutes. But they, they chose not to. to do the least amount of harm. It's incredible. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it's the most insightful, candid um, declaration of intention that I've ever read in, a, in our modern age, at least. I've read beautiful speeches, but these are from people who died long before I was born. Um, this is uh, very enlivening that somebody in our age of mediocrity, corruption, and darkness could arise with political clout and power to, to carry out real viable actions that shape the contour of our future, that somebody like that could arise um, at this time is, is very, very important. And it's hard to believe even, because I mean, a lot of people, especially in the West, we've just been so immersed in ugliness that it's difficult to believe that good can even possibly exist. 
And so people are very quick to jump on the gun and just, you know, dismiss Putin as being just a, a, a controlled opposition or something to the Great Reset. And in reality, you know, every, what, what things he's doing in Ukraine or elsewhere are actually serving the interests of the the Great Reset oligarchs. I uh, I don't see it. I mean, no matter what, we're in a point of crisis. It was known for a long time that the financial system was going to blow out. That's Putin knew this a decade ago. He knew this probably 20 years ago. This You didn't have to be a rocket scientist. It was designed to blow because you can't make an economy with, as he says, paper and social media, right? You can't just have an information economy that makes paper and speculation without producing food, without improving energy infrastructure, without improving the physical economy. You can't do that. What you've got is not an economy. Actually, you have a bubble and bubbles by their nature have always been they will pop. There, there's laws of physics. There's 7 billion people. No, today there's there's 8 billion people. Some people want that number to go down. Some of those people who want that number to go down played a major role in killing Kennedy and killing his brother and creating an, a new economic philosophy in the early 70s premised around the idea of worshiping myopic returns without any consideration for what are, what are you actually inheriting as far as the continuity of tradition and of economic processes that you have to not only maintain, but improve upon from previous generations, that was ignored. That was cut off. And we, we increasingly became a society of a basket case consumerist cult. And that was designed, that was never supposed to last indefinitely. That was always designed to blow. And, and that's part of economic warfare in the 19th century. It was the case of the, the South Sea bubble when that was done to destroy what was viable in the British economy in the early 18th century, that was a bubble, which it was always understood. You deregulate the market, you, you make economic value premised around the idea of just maximizing your personal profit based upon fictitious capital that may not even exist, as we discovered with the promises of the South Sea Company, or even earlier, the tulip bubble, right? In, in the yep. Netherlands, yep. same thing. And then when, when after everyone have had all of your victims have immersed themselves in the mythology because they've gotten like some ungodly payback or returns in the moment, then at a certain point, the real orchestrators of these games are busy buying up or taking control of all of what has real value. Idiots are buying tulips. The actual oligarchs managing the banking system are buying real estate, agriculture, the means of production. And then they blow the thing out, leaving everyone now in squalor, psychologically shock, shock therapied. And you have now a new governing class. That's always been the case. Every time it's been done. This is not a surprise. It should not have been a surprise. And the only reason why it is a surprise for so many people, and I don't think Putin is among those people, is because we've been cut off from our own knowledge of history. Yeah. And Putin, you can see in his discourses, he's referring back in every single speech to the events of the last century, two centuries, three centuries, a thousand years ago, the Kievan Rus. He refers to that because he has a living sense of history as it is directly impacting the present circumstances that are shaping our future. He's really, you could sense that you cannot talk like that unless you have immersed yourself deeply into that higher universal character of history and use that strategically to make tactical and strategic decisions when you're playing uh, <laughs> the great game and doing a damn good job of it too. And he's not alone. Despite yeah. that, there are fifth columnists, as we all know. There are still operations residuals from the days of the 1990s perestroika that are still not extracted yet, especially in the banking system, especially in the pharmaceutical co uh, complex of Russia, especially in the media and culture that is so deeply shaping the, the youth of Moscow, of St. Petersburg, who are very Americanized, even today. 
they're confused. That's not, you know, that's not nationalized. So there's a fight, but there actually is a fight. Whereas here, when I'm looking at Canada, you know, we just had an election this week in Quebec. And uh, yeah, I mean, the, the governing party of the, what's called the CAC, appropriately named, <laughs> uh, that's, the, that's the actual governing party of Quebec. They just took a super majority. Nobody likes them. Yeah. I don't know how this happened without massive fraud. Um, but there's really no leadership. These are, this is the Davos party of, of, you know, Quebec and can't say it's any different on the federal level. So you actually do have a serious hope for a future. And Putin called it out on so many levels. He even went to the Satan. He used the S word. He actually called out the governing ideology of the West as actually satanic, which a lot it of is. people are afraid to do. Yeah, it is exactly satanic. There's no other word for it, man. I mean, he also mentioned what happened with Japan, right? You talk about the, like, there was no need to drop nuclear bombs on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Japan was already broken. In fact, we've known this from like several uh, uh, admirals in the Pacific who wrote mm-hmm. in, their, in, in their diaries and later on in books that we were expecting Japan to move to the means of surrender and to negotiate for surrender. Hem- Emperor Hirohito was heading in that direction because of the great loss of life. They did just industrially cannot, could not compete with the United States. There was yeah. no reason. To vaporize 100,000 Japanese in Nagasaki. There was no reason to vaporize 100,000 uh, Japanese in Hiroshima. There was no reason to vaporize 100,000 civilians in Dresden. There was no reason for that. And yet they did it. You know, mm-hmm. and, and we dropped the same thing with, with, with napalm and Agent Orange. And, you know, like what is, I mean, you cannot. Clothe yourself and say you're a godly country, you're a good country, you're a Christian country, and all you do the last 70 years of your existence. I mean, think about it. I'm 43 years old. CJ's a little bit older than I am. This country's been at war every single day of my entire existence, Matthew. The United States has been at war my entire life. There are people that listen to this broadcast that have you know, 70 years old, they have grandparents or parents that served during World War II. This country has always been at war. You cannot say you're a godly country and create this much bloodshed, this much havoc, and not expect karma to come back and bite you in the ass. And what you're seeing in the West right now with all this satanic ideology, now you're bitching and crying about, hey, man, you're, you, your kids are having their genitals lopped off because they're transitioning and all this degeneracy that is happening and this moral rot and this and, and, and this brain drain, this intellectual brain drain that is occurring in the, in the West, this is the West reaping the fruits of what they've sowed for the last 70 years. Karma is a bitch with fangs and claws. And there's an old saying that a wise man once told me, you can never break God's laws. You could only confirm them. And that's where we are. Oh, well said. And, you know, I I think that uh, this is not a sign that God is cruel or, you know, like because bad things are happening to us, it's a sign that God doesn't care. There is no God or whatever. It's actually a sign that God is good because God does not tolerate evil indefinitely. Because we have free will, we're permitted to do evil, to embrace folly, to let go of wisdom and, and live in a hedonistic modality for a bit because we have freedom. We have freedom to to be to be ourselves, to be smart, to obey natural law, or to not be. Animals can't. Animals must be what they are. A raccoon can only be a raccoon. It doesn't know how to be a bird. It can't try to be a bird. 
Um, it has to be itself and it just follows its instincts and it's good. And if it, if it kills a baby raccoon because it's too hungry and eats the babies, so be it. You know, we don't put it in jail. There's no moral code that says that that was the wrong thing to do because it couldn't have known to do otherwise. It hadn't known an ability. It didn't have a conscience in that sense. Now, it doesn't mean that it's bad because it's like inferior to us because it can't act, it cannot access morality. It just means that it's of a different order. It has a different role to play in the, in the overarching, you know, scheme of creation. We have, we are endowed by the creator with inalienable rights. And that's part of what comes with the responsibility of using those rights well and taking responsibility subjectively for defending the rights that were given to us by the past generations who sacrificed or died. And if you, if you negate that, if you let go of that, then sure, you will get your ass kicked. The universe at a certain point is going to um, respond in a way that sees you collapse because of your own errors, not because of God killing you or destroying Sodom and Gomorrah because he was unhappy with them. It, it's like there was really a self-destruction that we did to ourselves. And we could change it because human beings also being a creature, of, like I said, of free will – we can always redeem. We can we can self-correct. We can analyze where we went wrong and change not only for the bad, but for the good. And a lot of people today are really willing to believe that good people can become corrupted, which is why, you know, you get the the the, the cynical statement often made, especially by those of the baby boomer generation, that everybody is corrupt. Even people who seem like they're good people, they're just acting good because they don't have power. But if they got power, they would immediately be as corrupt as, as the Satanists we don't like. So everybody is really corrupt. And I mean, really, honestly, no. That that If that was true, humanity never would have gotten out of the caves. Oh, hold on one second. Got some decon. Um, so we are now in a situation where Putin has... Uh, that's that's a beautiful a beautiful rally with the Russian population as well. That, that's a great, great presentation that he does. But I mean, he's, he's taken personal responsibility. Had it not been for him, I don't see anybody who would have been qualified to carry forth the type of fight that he has waged for the past 22 years, 23 years, where Russia in the 1990s was gone. It was yeah. done. Yeah. Like people underestimate just how bad and they wanted, you know, the oligarchy wanted Russia of the 1990s to be the role model for what the entire, you know, world was going to have to be faced with, which was shock therapy, a complete Austerity. destruction of the people yeah, the NED Soros had fully controlled the, the Russian economy. They created a Russian class of sociopathic billionaire managers literally overnight who bought up, gobbled the once powerful Soviet economy and did it all on, on at the behest of people like Jeffrey Sachs, who was like managing the IMF directions and reforms of, of Russia in the 1990s, who is now all of a sudden coming out as this like voice of reason. I'm, I'm very, I find that fishy, but I, I see that it kind of like I see Elon Musk. When you, whenever you have these operatives who all of a sudden say something anomalously, anomalously useful, it's because I think that this they are reflective of a higher faction fight within the oligarchy who are a little bit panicky right now because they've they've put they've unleashed a genie of nuclear war, which they didn't perhaps expect would take would go to this extent, and yeah, they, they would rather not rule over a world that has been obliterated by nuclear warheads. Well, the Davos crowd is putting out, uh, you know, literature through organizations like the Huffington Post and various other liberal mm -hmm. far left outlets uh, talking that nuclear war is actually great for climate change. Yeah. Are you serious? Yeah. Dude, CJ, pull it up if you can. Huffington Post. You have that? Yeah. No, they, they actually they actually went that far. 
yeah. that nuclear war would be good for the planet. Yep. I'll bring it up. That's, oh, there you go. I got it. I got it. Here we go. That's amazing. I'll, yeah, I'll show it to you right now. I got it. Here. You got to see yeah, this. See this is uh, it's just beyond, man. I mean, I'm not ultimately, I guess, that surprised. But Look at that. But a small, oh, a small nuclear yes. war. A small nuclear war. Scientists from NASA and a number of other institutions have been modeling the effects of war involving a hundred. That's not too small, Matthew. A hundred Hiroshima-level bombs or 0.3% of the world's nuclear arsenal. And the research suggests that 5 million metric tons of black carbon will be swept up into the lowest portion of the atmosphere. The result is to NASA's climate models can actually be a good thing, Matthew. Yes. Oh, it's wonderful. And that was Dr. Strange Lovian all of a sudden. That was published February 26, 2011. Yeah, they got some new ones out. Oh, yeah, watch this. That's Nuke war. Well, you know, the, the, the year that that was, that was being done, um, who was the science czar controlling NASA policy, uh, atomic policy? of under That was uh, John, Obama. whatever his name was. Well, that, that, at the time, it was uh, John Holdren. John Holdren, um, that's right, from Obama. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And he was the guy who decapitated NASA's entire manned space program, made it entirely based upon uh, climate change. So all of NASA's advanced technology became converted into just simply monitoring uh, global warming and uh and climate mitigation and then uh he was also the guy who called for a one world government to manage a, a reduced population under a, a scientific dictatorship in 1977 yep. with his eco science that he co-wrote with uh paul Ehrlich. so that's the guy i mean the fact that yeah, they're science they're and i i love these things man it's like this this is a small nuclear Another one. World one yep Jesus, they're they're pumping this out. Look, nuclear war. I never knew that they were actually going so so literal on this. Wow, literally, yeah, yeah. Well, see, and, and this is the thing. Like they they actually hmm, they they think that a nuclear war because their rant corporation climate or uh, nuclear war models because they've run scenarios war games again and again. They've done probably millions of these, and the. This was behind the growth not only of NATO after Russia was was broken up, the Warsaw Pact was broken up, and you know Thoros put money to restructure the various former Soviet governments so that they would be better absorbed into NATO and into the EU. But behind that was this logical full-spectrum dominance, which was just a retooling of what the big new Brzezinski had put forth, what was it, 19, in the 70s, under the idea of flexible response. This is already there in uh, in. In, from Rand Corporation in the in the I think sixties, Kennedy faced faced this insanity as well. But the idea of full spectrum dominance was the idea that okay, we could feasibly now that Russia is broken, you know, the West has won, we can now win a nuclear war and have nuclear hegemony, nuclear monopolies over all of our our a, a potential rising opponents. Russia, China being the two the two dominant. Uh, so-called regional powers that must never be permitted to get off their their knees because we were we su- were supposed to have broken their kneecaps sufficiently in the 90s and in the 80s um and encircle them with you know arctic as well as you know nato uh missile shields in in poland in romania all over russia's soft underbelly as well as uh south korea hosting nuclear yeah. or Weapon systems that could be converted into offensive nuclear warhead carrying systems, as we see with the THAAD systems of South Korea, or as Putin's, which Putin says in his speech directly, is still a colony 
of the U.S. It did, the U.S. didn't leave after the Korean War was over. They stayed there, and today there's 28,000 U.S. troops and a lot of military bases, some of them with biological warfare capabilities. Same thing for Japan. After we bombed them to smithereens, as you pointed out, there was no re reason for it. The actual peace negotiations had already been underway for weeks with Emperor Hirohito yes. through back channels within the Vatican over actually having a dignified uh, surrender without necessarily being humiliated. That wasn't permitted. And, and people like there's various U.S. generals who had been very clear that all we need to do is cut the supply lines from Japan and wait. They're not going to have anything new. They can't strike out at us. Just wait it out. We don't have to obliterate them. But the policy of Truman and his handlers was always the same thing, which was Anglo-American world government, right? And obliterate the world. You and, and this was a message to the Soviet Union, to Stalin, basically saying, look, the all of the, the nicey-nices, the, the, the great plans for win-win cooperation you thought you had going with Franklin Roosevelt before Roosevelt died in, in April, forget about it. And like Roosevelt had similar discussions with the Chinese, uh, both on the communist as well as the Kuomintang. Like he was working really to create a new structure with the US, China, Russia, as well as Brazil being the key foundations for a new economic architecture with Britain being forced like on a leash to come and <laughs> to come and play by a new set of rules that are antithetical to the British um, imperial traditional structure, and that was like forget about it. Truman basically spat in, in uh, Stalin's face, was laughing after he used the nuclear bombs in Japan, and pretty much immediately declared Stalin enemy number one. With Alan Dulles, people like J. Edgar Hoover happily playing their specific roles in reorganizing the U.S. from being an authentically nationalist type of government looking out for the well-being of their neighbors and a, as a proper Christian nation should be. And that's the only way the U.S. works. And even John Quincy Adams says that the U.S. constitutional system is only, it only works under a devout religious uh, people. It yes. doesn't work any other way. No, correct. Need that type of morality uh, available and dominant within your cultural system. and I love how modern day people would uh, you know a lot of a lot of these pronunciators on TV and in politics and whatnot they always talk about we need to be we're a constitutional republic and they completely absolve the morality part of it mm -hmm. it's so intertwined you know you got to have culture you got to have morality in order for the constitution to work the, the 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 morality is the engine on which the constitution is run and is empowered otherwise it's you're going to have what we have today. You're going to have clever, corrupt lawyers who are going to find a million and one loopholes, and we're in the problem that we're in. Yeah, every time, every time. Yeah, exactly. That's the only way. Democracy is like a power, right? Like a, a, a Republican form of government that has a democratic representation to it. It, 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 is, it only works if each individual actually owns up to their personal responsibilities to state, to use their reason, to use their conscience, to stay as informed as they need to be and to participate not only in voting once every four years, but in participating in the processes of deliberation, town halls, organizing on every level as a personal citizen, as if the whole nation was in your interest individually uh, to, to maintain, defend and improve upon. And if that's not there and everybody just gets into a selfish little me first mind mindset, that type of culture is not compatible with a repu republic. You need to have, in effect, if, if, a, if a society degenerates to that level of decay and mediocrity and stupidity and selfishness, unfortunately, you need a zookeeper to manage the zoo if people lose their, if they, if they lose their humanity. 
And that's where tyrants and fascists are more than happy to come in and say, well, all right, you're not able to govern yourselves. And George Soros has made this argument many times. You know, he's, he's said, you know, we, we've, we've been operating with his new Soros universities and the Institute for, uh, what was it, New Economic Thinking, which is tied to, the again, the British Roundtable movement run out of Oxford. Oxford. He's, he's made all of these speeches saying, you know, we've, we've falsely believed naively for the past 200 years that human beings were fundamentally rational and operated in their own self-interest, which we know this belief to be wrong because look at the crisis we are now facing of a global systemic collapse and speculation and all of these things. And even though, you know, forget the fact that he actually is the most rampant, you know, uh, <laughs> speculative sociopath, regardless, he says, the reality is the, 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 the system which has to be brought online and he's pouring money to giving scholarships to young, talented uh, young people to come up with theories that they think are their own that'll solve the, this problem is that human beings are fundamentally irrational at their core. We think we're rational, but our rational, our rationality is actually governed by our irrationality. We do things hedonistically and for no reason. And so we need to assure everybody's freedom, which he says you know, in his argumentation, this is the most important thing really is personal freedom to choose. That's why he supports, you know, uh, you, yeah, all of these like open society operations based upon your personal, everyone's personal right to do whatever they want as, as that idea of democracy, which is not. Now that's used geopolitically to destabilize countries like China, like Russia, like Kazakhstan, like everywhere. But in the same time, he says, but we also need to have the, uh, a complete stasis a uh, the, the presumption must be that there is a order, an immutable order that has to be maintained over the system as a whole. So how are you going to have every individual particle, you know, acting hedonistically and with total freedom while the whole system is being managed in a, st in a static way, like a machine? Well, it only works if you give people the lowest sense of freedom to have whatever kind of drug, you know, get into whatever type of video game that their hearts desire uh, any type of lower level hedonistic fetish, that, that is their freedom. And then the actual decision makers who make the policies that shape the, 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 the contours of the system that each particle is supposed to move within, those are not elected officials. This is, this is a scientific managed technocracy that he's talking about with people like him or at least his handlers who are going to be supposedly managing the levers of pro consumption, production, the diminution of, of uh, resources as the system gets smaller and smaller. And this is what people like Pope Francis represents, people like Elon Musk, people like Jeffrey Sachs. But the fact that they're all coming out saying these, well, not Soros, but the other, the other three that I just mentioned are all coming out saying, whoa, we need to put a break on like Zelensky. You need to get into the negotiating table. You need to do something to uh, uh, pull back a little bit here. It, it, does give me a certain amount of, I chuckle a bit, but it does give me a sense that I know that there is definitely uh, a freak out amongst the oligarchical class where they're like, okay, we've overplayed our hand. And you know, you got some factions that still want to double down, triple down and go flight forward towards their, you know, formula of what a new world order should look like with all of the, the dystopic, you know, colorings associated with that, even if it means nuclear war, even if it can't be won because Russia has strategic nuclear warheads that have rendered our entire full spectrum dominance ideology completely irrelevant. Oh yeah. You know, there's no way that proven we cannot have a first strike. They have such hypersonic technology, underwater drones, so many things 
that have guaranteed Russia a capacity to take out anybody that tries to launch something towards them. So yeah, 100%. we could get some big hits on Russia. That's true. We could feasibly wipe out Russia and China. That is probably true, especially with some of the, the you know, submarine launchers. But at the same time, we're gonna that's a suicide run because Russia and also China, who has has these technologies, can easily take us out as well in return. So I mean when you when you look at the uh, the Trident three when when you look at the Trident three missile system the United States had, this is a missile that was developed in nineteen seventy-three. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I've talked to somebody who was the he was up there in the in the nuclear side of things uh within the American within the United States government, right? He was on the nuclear side of things. And I can't give away his name. He's a good guy. He retired several years ago. And I'll tell you, man, based on the data points, first of all, the nuclear infrastructure here in terms of civilian, it's terrible. It's, 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 it's old world relegated garbage. That's number one. And number two, when you look at our, our weapon systems, like, like the Trident Three and, and the Minuteman and whatnot, uh, these missile systems were developed in the 70s. They are archaic. They are old. It is doubtful, Matthew, that even 20% of our nuclear arsenal is even functional today. These things are so poorly maintained. It's so poorly maintained, it's not even funny. They're running off a Windows DOS or like some sort of an old-school Linux-based, you know, DOS-type system. They have old 1950s phone lines going in there. And then the, 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 the missiles themselves, by the time the Russians detect a launch for the Minuteman to go up into space... Go into low Earth orbit, then then dispense its MIRVs, its multiple entry reentry vehicles, right? Uh, it, it's MIRV warheads yeah. into it, into the stratosphere, so it can go, you know, strike multiple targets. By the time the Russians detect a launch, they can have a Kinzel on top of that launch site in a matter of five minutes. So, so the, literally, yeah. we we think we can do a first strike, but those sites have already been hit. That's why. That's why I don't know who it was. I don't know if it was Putin or Sir, or Lavrov or one of these guys who said, um, or I think it was Sergei Shoigu who says these people who think they have a first strike will never even have the opportunity to see if the strike even hits, and that yeah. is the fact on the ground, man. Yeah, yeah. You know, and 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 then I remember several years ago, man. This was like 2014 or 13. I remember there was a Russian Akula class submarine. That just decided to simply like emerge in the middle of, of, of the Gulf Coast, right? 30 miles off the coast of Florida, like catching the entire United States Navy by surprise. And what they're demonstrating with the Akula class and the newer stealth submarines, which are very impossible to detect, they're literally saying, look, anytime we want, we can reach out and touch you. That's what the United States didn't realize. You're talking about a bunch of idiots who think they're the greatest economy, who think they're the largest economy in the world. They're not. We're not the largest economy in the world. Real-term economic growth, we are maybe between a 3 to maybe a $5 trillion a year economy in real terms. In real terms, okay? China surpassed us a long time ago. We have no industry. We can't make anything, right? We, we don't have no industrial production. And this is the thing that, that Putin says. You cannot feed your people on social media and, 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 tur- and wind turbines. You can't do that. And solar panels, you can't do that, Right. You yeah. cannot fight a war when you're completely deindustrialized. You cannot do that, and this is what we're witnessing: the uh, the, the 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 Germans, the the Brits, the uh, several other European countries, the Poles. They're giving the Ukrainians, you know, tanks that were developed in the six, like Challenger ones, yeah, and and and, and, and T fifty two tanks, yeah, tanks that were developed in the fifties, right after you know post World War II tanks. 
over yeah. to the Ukrainians. Why? Because they're running out of out of uh, out of you know uh, out of material. They don't have industrial production. How can you fight a war against an industrial juggernaut? You can't win. Yeah. This is how we beat the Japanese. We yeah, can't yeah. win. Absolutely. Yeah. No, you're you're at that's you're dead. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. And and. Like we don't, the U.S. has gotten so, and I say the U.S., but I, you know what I mean. I'm talking about the the whole Anglo-Saxon oligarchical system that is taking control like a parasite of the institutions of the USA. Yeah. They've got overconfident, I think. Like they really did think that they completely won the game. They won the world in 1992. They, they and so with that arrogance, with that confidence, you know, whom's the whom the gods would destroy, they first make mad. They simply work to shut down not only what they thought were their victims, their, their enemies' capabilities of production, that's what they did to Russia, they never expected it would be, ever be possible for Russia to come back from that level of efficient destruction that was uh, undertaken in, in a very short decade. But they did. But they also undid their own. They thought, okay, well, we, we've won, so we can destroy any type of... I and mean, they were actually starting this earlier in the 1970s, really. They, they were saying, like, we'll just shut down our space technology. Or we're going to shut down all of the things that we that used to make us excellent in fields of science and technology and military even and even just basic production we're going to shut all of that down we're going to nation strip and outsource the indus industrial power the machine tool capabilities we're just going to get rid of all of it and now they're in a situation where the, those nations that they wanted to destroy have rebuilt themselves have created a new multi civilizational alliance and are now presenting to the world science and tech and discoveries that no one has ever done before. Up until now, China has had to, you know, they went through a period of needing to figure out how do you copy and, you know, look to people who have mastered industrial production. They did that, but they, they like outpaced us at a certain point when we shut down our capabilities, our, our, our engineers who had the living knowledge to build these things are now like super old or dead. Yeah. The Chinese have now pushed to the limits of, of excellence. They've, de they've developed the right habits, the right industrial productive capabilities. And now they're, they're pioneering tunnel building, like they're building the biggest bridges in world history. Yep. Things that we, we never thought were physically possible are being done. They're doing the same thing for space tech, energy science, every single possible avenue towards nuclear uh, power, including fusion are being developed simultaneously by the Chinese, they're not putting all of their eggs in one tokamak basket in France. In in France, right. which and, is and the reason. The reason. The reason for that also is like you know we stopped, you know, educating and creating through our educational system, um, scientists and engineers. We don't break scientists and engineers anymore. You know, we break social science idiots, gender studies, all this other bullshit that means nothing. China and even India, they're cracking. Hundred to two hundred thousand new engineers and scientists per year. Mm -hmm. So they go ahead and they create things like this. China's artificial sun just broke record for the longest sustained nuclear fusion. Mm -hmm. The superheated plasma reached one hundred and twenty-six million degrees Fahrenheit for seventeen minutes. Yeah, right there. I Come mean, on, man. Yeah. No, that, Come that on. Broke that's hotter than the sun, bro. Yeah. And India is doing the same thing. I mean, like, yep. look, at the same time, like, India now has a, a really young population. They're currently not seeing this as, as an overpopulation issue. They see their youth as being an asset, a, a, the greatest resource, because the, the youth are pure 
creative potential. Yep. And so with that energy, if you apply it, which is being done in the form of big projects and you give people a reason to be, to be disciplined with their own time management and their own development pathways individually as citizens to know that, okay, you're not wasting your time. You're developing a skill set in order to go out. You're going to have a, a workplace available to you. That'll both be good for you. You're going to get a good paid job, but you're also going to make your, your world better. They have pebble better reactors in new in, in India and, you know, even though they still have a lot of fifth columnists and deep state operatives that have been still the residuals from the days of, of, you know, British occupation, including problems in Pakistan, despite that, they're overarchingly now completely uh, breaking from that and moving towards this multipolar alliance. So it's it's really clear cut. I mean, the, the, the conditions of where the right and the wrong side of history is, is pretty clear at this point. If people are still waiting on the fence trying to figure out like, you know, what side they're going to give themselves to, it, it's a, I don't know. I don't know if there's much hope for you at this point, if you, if you to wait this long, but it's really, uh, I, I think we have a good reason to be hopeful, but it could still be ugly in the, in the short-term period. I don't really know what exact, I don't think anybody can say exactly what it's going to be, but certainly Russia, China, India, Iran. And that's why Iran's also being destabilized. And I know we have to end it, but I mean, there's, there's currently these coalitions have governments that are in alignment with an orientation towards natural law that was better understood by our founding fathers of America than any American today that I could tell. And we have to wake up fast because if we're going to get out of this fire, it's because we realign ourselves with that type of ethos fast. And without that, that realignment, then this current civilization, this basket case, post-truth, post, you know, modernist civilization does not have within it, as far as I could see, the means of continuing its its own existence with any type of freedom. It can't right. can happen. So. When you have a population this dumb, and then there's a collapse, the only thing that happens is that it gets governed by the most evil people. Because the dumb population don't have the wherewithal, the resources, the knowledge. They can't even communicate straight, let alone in order to be able to stand up against the system and fight against it. They'll be easily duped. Yeah. yeah That's yeah. the problem. Yeah, small window of opportunity here to uh, to redeem that. Fantastic, Matthew Eretz, the man, the myth, the legend, the the absolute. What should I call him? He is the philosopher of the multipolar world, the scientist of the geostrategic himself, Matthew Eretz, folks. Again, you can find him at CanadianPatriot.org, CanadianPatriot.org, and the Rising Tide Foundation.net. Get on his Substack, purchase his books, the un the clash of two Americas. Volume 1, Volume 2, and Volume 3, very vital. With that being said, thank you for listening in, and we'll be back tomorrow. CJ, take it away.